Well, welcome to Leadership Conversations. I am so excited to introduce to you my dear friend, Mindy Lenscombe. She and Jordan have been longtime friends, and she truly has been an inspiration for me and maybe hundreds if not thousands of others as she has led an organization called Something New Boutique. It is truly a bright a light on the north side of Colorado Springs, and it's just been a place for many people as they have celebrated, well, maybe those defining moments in life we call getting married. And so Something New Boutique uh, just has ushered uh, many of ladies' brides into just those beautiful moments, and she helps many of those brides as well as other young gals uh, with just looking beautiful. And so how creating that culture, creating that beautiful space as well as the environment for those young brides to feel um, just truly uh, like princesses and brides that they are, you've created that culture. So Mindy, welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I am so thrilled to have our listeners hear some of your stories and you truly are a, an inspiration, Mindy. I mean, you have uh, stood the test of time. You think about small business in uh, over the last 12 years uh, and everything that represents from an economy to just understanding different changes in terms of you know how that affects staffing and different trends and all those things. And you have stood with it, uh, not only just from a business standpoint, but from just even a personal standpoint, being able to raise a family of some amazing young kids and, and just, I mean, being able to the, navigate the, the tensions of work-life balances where it's not necessarily been always a smooth road, has it, Mindy? No, it has not. <laughs> Perhaps as we get started, Tell us, how did you even come up with the idea of something new boutiques 12 years ago? Yes. Well, it started when I did not have the best shopping experience myself. Okay. Um, I went to several stores and what I realized was that um, some of the stores that I thought I would find a dress in were very snooty and pretentious and, mm. um, you know, asking very uh, almost shamedly, like, what's your price point? And you don't have an appointment and all those things. And yet they were the beautiful stores I wanted to find my dress in. And then the friendly stores were kind of run down and um, didn't have new inventory. And I said, why can't it be both? Why can't it be super friendly and beautiful all at the same time? So um, I saw a need in the Colorado market and said, I'm gonna go for the dream. And I loved serving and celebrating people already. It was a natural fit for my skill sets and the need in the market. Hmm. So bringing truly a best-in-class experience, the quality of the dresses plus the quality of service and where people just felt great, not, not only just in what they wore of their dresses, but also the experience leaving there as a beautiful bride. And, and you truly, what, what a great inspiration of a vision of what could be and your reputation for some of you who do not know something new boutique uh, you have stood the test of time but you truly lived up to that vision over the last 12 years so um, that, what are some of the things that you have done just from a business standpoint to create that environment for your customers um, well, I would say the number one thing is that we do focus on the service first mm -hmm. over sales so that connecting relationship wise with our customer, we like to become an immediate friend to them. And we look for ways to build a relationship 
right off the bat. And then I do think that that leads naturally into a helpful mindset of how can we truly help them with whatever their need may be. Mm. And then the sales follow. That, that, that sounds so beautifully simple and coming from you as a leader who are, you're just friendly. That's your personality. You know, you're, you have that uh, way that sets people at ease and, and just allows people just to feel welcome. Now, so that sounds so simple if it's just coming from you, but how do you train that with your staff? <laughs> yes, that's a very good question. So um, with having almost 20 people at sometimes over 20 people on the payroll, uh, it is definitely something that I have to do a pulse check regularly on. Um, I would say that when I look for candidates to be on my team, that is the first thing I'm looking for over sales experience. Hmm. I look for people that give me that warm, fuzzy feeling within the first 30 seconds of interacting with them. Yeah. Because if they can give me that feeling, then I know they can provide that to my guests as well. Hmm. And then depending on their level of grit, they are more successful once they learn the sales techniques uh, that I can train after they've come on. So like I said, the most important candidate or quality is just that they are kind, warm, connecting. And then I want to teach them the ways in which you can be helpful and lead people to what they need. Um, but that's just up to them at that point uh, as far as how successful they are. Yeah. So th this is an interesting, almost dichotomy of what you're describing is a friendliness, but a grit that's still underneath. Correct. <laughs> right. Pick up on those two things. So the friendliness piece, this is a culture that you've created really tied to just this vision that you've just described. And that culture is something that has helped inform your hiring practices. And that's a very important uh, piece in terms of just how this is lived out. And I so appreciate that. You just know within the first 30 seconds whether or not this person is going to be a fit, whether or not they're smiling or not, right? I mean, just allowing people to feel friendly. Yeah. But it's an interesting thing to think about that uh, from a staff standpoint and the types of people you want on your team. Not only do they need to be friendly, but they have to be able to have a, a work ethic, if you will, something that the ability to push through in the midst of, you know, uh, difficulties if you, so how do you screen for the grittiness that you're describing? That's a great question. So we have lots of processes when it comes to the hiring um, mm. and onboarding of an employee. So um, first of all, when we do the hiring, I, I do a lot of group um, screening processes just to save my time. Okay. So I'll bring in people as a group and you can immediately kind of tell from a group interview uh, who has that friendly capacity. We put them through a series of challenges within that first group interview that's about two hours long that we can tell who's who's still lasting through that that with optimism um and then after that first group interview we have two more follow-up interviews that one is um actually in the job like that you're on the floor for two hours mm. working with some of our guests alongside of one of our uh our team members and during that time they actually 
are being observed by my entire team, not just by me. So at the end of that interview, we will literally ask our staff, how did they interact with you? Were they helpful when we gave them opportunities to serve a guest? Like, did they jump at it or were they reserved? Um, and then after that second screening, we do one more final interview with the owners and we just, we really want to understand who they are as a person, what their uh, interests are. Are they a healthy holistic person that values um, personal habits and success rhythms and things like that. So, so after you've gone through those three stages, honestly, we know by that point if this person is going to be a good fit. And then lastly, they have that 90 day at the intro of their career when we onboard them and we give them 90 days, we load them with tons of training. I mean, we invest and we figured it it cost us between eight to ten thousand dollars to um, really train that person with the type of um, curriculum we've we've developed and things like that. So after that ninety days, it's an easy notification. Either they're good and they're a lifer, we call them, or um, or they're somebody that's not the right fit. Now I don't assume that they're going to be with me for their life, but I do hope for like a two to ten year return on their time with us. Wow. So did you just mail this in and get some sort of form to fill out to figure out this training process? No. Did you go to HR camp or how in the world? I mean, what you just described is brilliant and just a, a, a process that truly sounds so healthy uh, and, and, you know, all the things that <laughs> allows to screen the right people. But how did you get there? How did this evolve? Yeah, this evolved from a lot of mistakes. Mm, okay. <laughs> a lot of hiring mistakes. I would okay. say you realize how did I miss that one? Mm. Um, no, but over the years we realized like we used to sit down and do a long interview with someone at the beginning, and I said, you know, my time's too valuable. I coach people. I work with. I'd rather be investing in the people that are on my team. Yeah. I don't want to sit down and interview people every single time. It's like, no, show me what you got a little bit first, and then if you've got enough, like grit, I like to call mm -hmm. it, then we'll sit down and interview you once you've made it through that point. And then the group process is, again, a time saver for myself instead of several um, mm -hmm. several one-on-one -on -one interviews. I'm like, no, let's just bring, we're about to hire, we need two people, let's say it's a um, time of year that we actually do aim for onboarding. So that's helpful as well. We learned our cycles, we learned when we, when we lose people, when we gain people. Um, and so one time a year, we do a big group announcement group group push and actually we've even found now that we've been in business long enough our best uh employees are people that used to be a client of ours so we don't even publicly announce our openings we just uh do private you know an email blast to our our list of all of our leads and we say hey we're going to do a hiring event and we'd love for you to come out if you think you have these skills and would like to be a part of our team so mm -hmm. then um I know that in that group interview, there's going to be a lot of candidates that aren't necessarily even qualified for it, but I don't mind because I want the other people mentally to think, wow, a lot of people are interested in this. I better go for it really hard. Like mm -hmm. I want to do my best and perform well because there's that pressure of having the like mental space of thinking many people want to work here. Yeah. So it's a privilege if I get to the second interview yes. and it's a privilege if I get to the third interview. Um, and then it even, it adds value to the existing team you have when you see, wow, lots of people want to work here. I'm so lucky I get to work here. There's something um, intrinsic that happens to the right. existing team. So it's really, really great. I, well, I it ties back to this wonderful, uh, you know, t 
customer service experience that we might term as raving fans. And so you have these raving fans that ultimately become your recruitment for referrals of the best employees. And I mean, that's not often the, the startup experience <laughs> where you're just, you're trying, you're, you're scrambling so much just to try to fill, you know, seats on the bus, so to speak, from a company standpoint, you just, yeah. you know, you're this in such not a place. The way. Yeah. I started, you know, honestly, I took my most excited bride. Mm. I had no employees, but I had one bride that just loved us. And she told everybody about us all around town. I mean, I just knew she was talking about us everywhere she went. So I just called her up. And honestly, I believe so much in reaching out for the candidates instead of letting them come to you. Because if you just let people come to you, um, you know, I always say <laughs> the most employable people are the ones that are currently employed. Mm those are the best people. You're not, I don't, I'm not looking for people that are looking for work because if they're really incredible, they shouldn't be looking for work, hmm. right? They are working somewhere else right now, but maybe they're looking for a change. And so I called that bride that was so excited about my brand. And I only had one that I could think of because I was brand new. And I said, Hey, have you ever thought about doing a change? Like you love what you do. Cause hmm. man, I love that you love my company so much that you tell others about it. I'd be honored for you to consider coming to work for me. Hmm. And so we talked and I learned a lot from that first employee, um, learned how to do things, how I should have been a better manager, things like that. And um, she's still a big passionate person about my brand. So I feel like things went well. She worked for me three years and then she actually got a career advancement, um, a really awesome opportunity at a bigger company. And I'm proud of her. So I would say, you know, always be looking when you're out and about and meeting people always be looking for somebody that you're like that person is exactly the type of person I would want to work with mm. and just drop a little line say hey if you're ever looking for something else just give me a call let me know I mean I don't steal them I just I open the door and um and I think if they're already doing a great job somewhere else there are people that are looking for a change mm. they might want to come and work with you mm. uh, especially if you're an exciting and positive person to be around Right. Yeah. There's an, an enthusiasm and an energy and just what you've created. I mean, it's taken a long time to get there. So if, as, as just for our leadership listeners who perhaps are in that place of startup mode and, and I can uh, just imagine a number of people they're you know, maybe they're on their sixth or seventh hire and they're just perhaps scrambling, maybe they've got a couple stellar team members and a couple people they're struggling with just, you know, and they're feeling a little stuck in terms of staff and staff development and trying to get the ideal candidates. How would you encourage them? What would you say to them as far as from some of the experiences you've learned early on? Yeah, I would say don't be afraid to let people go that aren't the right fit. Mm. And um, I like to call them guided resignations. Um, nice. <laughs> I, I just talk to them about what they're really enjoying and what they're not enjoying and saying, are you still enjoying it here? Uh, do you still have a vision for what this could be? And if not, there's no hard feelings. Definitely mm. just take a day to think about it and let me know if there's something else you'd rather do. Mm. And I let them decide and it, it allows them to still have dignity as they depart. And there's no um, real breach of friendship if you let it go that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so that would be my number one thing is just immediately cut off the dead weight. You know what I'm saying? Prune. I'd rather have one amazing employee than five employees that are halfway doing their job. 
Mm. So um, then let's say you, you prune, you get down to that one again, you're like, gosh, I need some more people and you don't know who to ask and maybe you don't have the customer base to reach out to. I say, get out of the office. Okay. <laughs> Go places where people are doing similar work to you. Okay. Obviously not like the same, I'm not talking about competitors in the same line of work, but like I'm in the service industry. So maybe that could be um, other retail. It could be um, restaurant. It could be um, really just anybody that's serving others. And I just spend a day going around seeing who I bring my cards and I say, who was I served by today? Like when I walked in, they ran over and greeted me really well and they really engaged. So it's a similar industry. And um, I just give them my card. I'm like, hey, if you're ever looking for something different, please let me know. And I hand them my card. Mm -hmm. And you would be amazed, even if you just got a 10% return on that, if you went and met 10 people in one day mm -hmm. and you found one that called you back, that's great. You know what I mean? That's, that's a really great place. It sounds so simple, Mindy, what you're describing to identify the industry that you're in and then go where those people are and just watch and see how they show up. I mean, I can just visualize that in terms of looking for somebody who creates that kind of experience that you want to create. It's something new boutique. And that really could apply in very various disciplines, whether it's going to an area where there's an association or it's a certain trade, uh, wherever that is. But to be able to identify those people that have the skills and it's really, they're already working, you know, in the work that they're doing and to be able to identify those people that just, they show up differently, whether it's an attitude or enthusiasm or the way they deliver on their skill set. Um, it, it's just such a, a simple idea what you're describing, but there are, there are small business leaders and entrepreneurs that really feel stuck on this area of, you know, building the right team and what do they do with people and they don't want to let them go. And how do I hire the right people? And, and it's just, uh, and you know, some of those pains, don't you? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and I guess I've wasted enough years doing mm. the indeed and resume, you know, posting or drop off your application or, um, you know, I've paid for the ad saying we're hiring all those things. And I'm like, none of that shows me mm. the person and how they show up for life. And most of those people dropping off the resumes are looking for work. And remember what I said at the beginning is like, I think the best people are actually working somewhere else already. Mm. And so I want to see them interact. I want to see them in their workplace and how are they already performing mm. and those are the people that have been my longest standing employees. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm just not in the season where I want to waste time anymore. Mm -hmm. I just, I want to find the right person and, and develop them. So, so I, I want to capture this because this is just so evident and something that I would even tie to a value system that how you value your time it's come through and how you treat your customers how you engage with prospective uh team members and how you engage with developing existing team members all the way. i mean just again and again and again i hear that um just managing your time and you just have a very clear awareness of that um and, and is that something you've always had or is how did that get developed where you have just um a high standard for that. 
Yes. Um, actually, I mean, I've always been a very organized person. Okay. And I loved having a planner since I was, you know, 12 years old. I, loved <laughs> um, I used to plan out every, you know, half hour and I, I still do. I think that it's a, it's definitely a daily habit that, um, I treat my calendar like I do my budget. Okay. So if you have a monthly amount of expenses and you say, I feel like, you know, 10% should go to this, housing should go 25%, you know, this type of thing. I literally look at my time the same way. I say this percent, I want to be um, associated with family time. This percent is personal development. This percent is um, work. This percent is rest, whatever it may be. And then I literally dictate my week, every Sunday night, my husband and I have a, a basically a family meeting, but every Sunday night we compare our calendars and dictate the week to match our priorities mm. based on the amount of time that we think that priority deserves. Mm. And I think that that is crucial. Now, was I always that specific? No, I did make a plan for my day like I said, from early on, however, um, in 2015, when my son was diagnosed with cancer, mm. um, that honestly made me more aggressive with my time management. So mm. like I said, I was a planner always, but after that, um, season, I decided, you know, you never know when life is going to surprise you or a loved one is going to be gone. And I said, no more, am I letting my responsibilities dictate my time? Mm -hmm. Even though there is an amount that you have to allot for responsibilities. I said, I want my days to look like I want my, like how I want my priorities to line up. Mm -hmm. So I got very aggressive with saying, this is how much time my, my um, staff deserves of me. This is how much time my kids deserve of me, my husband, mm -hmm. um, volunteerism. And, and I decided like literally for 2020, I already have, it mapped out how the days are. I don't necessarily have what's happening every hour, but I know, okay, this is my volunteer time. This is my um, time to do calls with Russell. This is my, uh, this is my, how I want to execute um, my life. And honestly, the people that do that, I feel like there's a sense of, um, of fulfillment and not regret. Mm -hmm. And so now it's not like, oh man, I wish I would have done that this year. It's like, no, actually mm. I, I really am fulfilled. Or can I say as a working parent, yeah, specifically a working mom, yes. I know that um, a lot of moms have mom guilt about working and how I've been able to channel um, that guilt has really um, helped me to not even um, be divided. And I think that I'm more successful and this is what I do. Like I said, when I'm in a healthy, rested state, you can't do this when you're tired or you're emotional or drained. You have to set aside some time to say, okay, what are my priorities in life? Mm. Okay, and if family's number one, which for me it is, and then work number two or something like that, you sit down when you're rested and not tired. And that's, I, can't, I can't stress that point enough because you'll make bad decisions when you're, when you're really tired. Yes. Um, but when you're rested and you're in a place that you can think clearly, I actually sit down and say, okay, what is um, my number one, number two, number three priority and how much time of my life do I think should be devoted to these things? Mm -hmm. And then I assign that to my calendar and then I say, when I am at work, even if I'm feeling guilty about what's happening at home, for example, I'm going to not even think about it because I know when I was in a healthy state of mind that I said that this is 
okay. And it matches the priority that I believe in, prayed about, whatever. And my husband and I are in unity, all the things. Mm. And then when I'm at home and let's say stuff at work is suffering. I mean, that happens too, where you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much to be done and behind. But yet I decided that this was the time I'm with my kids. Guess what? I turn off my phone. I put it in the other room and I just say, it has to wait because at this moment I've mm. assigned it to my four kids. And so I just cannot get in my head about either place and remind myself that when I chose this calendar, it was from a place that I prayed about. I was secure about, I was rested. I was clear in thought right now I'm emotional. So mm -hmm. don't get emotional right now. Think about the person you committed to right now. So I think that as long as moms or parents that are working decide, okay, this is truly the amount of time I want to spend working versus with them. And then they commit their whole heart to it while they're there. Mm. It works. Now, I still have hard days, Russell. I still have days and I'm like, oh, I feel bad, you know, or you have a kid that's sick. You have to be flexible. I understand like life does roll, you know, right. Um, but for the most part, 90% of the time, this works out very nicely for me. And I do think that I'm more successful when I'm at work and I'm more successful when I'm at home with connecting with my kids. So, mm -hmm. um, so time, yes, it's a huge priority to me to make sure we dedicate our time to the ways in which we, we want our life to look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear that so clearly. And just to be able to capture that, you know, being, having some kind of structure, and perhaps you're very structured, maybe more than other listeners, uh, but any kind of structure is going to allow you to focus some of that energy and, and give the time where you've dedicated. And so now we're back to priorities and values and it starts there, doesn't it? It does. And I just so appreciate, I mean, there's a lot of things that you shared that are super practical, but your priorities land on your calendar. And to be able to have that show up on your calendar in real ways. And what I heard uh, just implicitly is that be present where you are in the moment, whether you're at work or with your staff or with customers or you're at home, be present where you are and not be blown all over the place where those who perhaps are feeling guilty or, you know, just anxious or worried or just emotional, as you said, that that reactivary mindset is one where they just don't have that structure in place. And that structure comes when you are rested. And so that is a great step for those who are just feeling a little crazy right now is just getting some space to think about that and begin putting some of those things uh, that can help bring some order to their chaos. Um, and this isn't just some pop psychology or some book you picked up off the shelf. This is something that you've lived out over the last 12 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and so it's, you've really grown in that. What perhaps as you think about over the last you know, decade, what are a couple of the things that have helped keep you going in a place moving towards health um, when you might've been tempted to just give up? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a really good question. I think the big thing for any leader or entrepreneur is to um, really know that you're stepping into a role of delayed gratification. Oh, tell me more about that. So when you step into that, I'll just say most of our society, you get a reward immediately for your hard work, but I've never ever seen an immediate reward for all of the things that we've done that have been hard. Uh, it, we just, as you know, built a commercial space for our business and I 
tell people, I'm like, yeah, I didn't have an office for 12 years. And now it's my first time to have an office because I worked um, in, I rented a commercial space, but it was so high, you know, in, in rent that I didn't have an office because I needed the whole space for my business. So I would work out of my car in the hopes that one day I will have an office. <laughs> and so what I like to tell people is that, you know, you have to have the vision in front of you, whether that's a vision board or that's a few people in your life that believe in your vision, you have to speak that out loud. Like one day, this was my vision. This is why I started this. And this is the goal. And um, here's my path to the goal, but I won't necessarily see it tomorrow. I won't see it in two years, but it might be 12 years before you see the reward from that um, really like doing the right thing over and over. Mm -hmm. So um, I talk about those, those are the hard things that you just have to keep doing them and showing up, but eventually it will pay off. Mm -hmm. So the leader and the entrepreneur that wants a quick reward is not going to make it. They're not going to be successful. Mm. But the leader, the entrepreneur that's like, you know what? I'm going to keep taking care of the customer or I'm going to keep showing up and doing um, my call log, my, my call log that I have to reach out to X amount of customers per day in order to get this return. Or I'm going to keep um, reaching out to all the businesses in town that I need to network with so that we can refer each other. Uh, those are things that literally are like planting seeds <laughs> that will not grow overnight. And so you have to believe in the long haul. Like what is what is the long vision, the long-term vision? And I had a vision board and it did update and change over the years, but I also had a close group of friends, including my spouse, that I shared the vision with. And I said, keep me accountable that it will one day hmm. happen, that all of these hard days, many hard days, many, yeah. many hard days, that they will, um, there were years that I didn't get a paycheck. You know what I'm saying? There were, I, I would say out of my 12 years, I've only been paid eight of the 12 years. Wow. I mean, that's just saying like, that's a real hard thing when you go, Oh, I'm going to work a whole year without a paycheck. Mm. Well, I actually worked four, you know, and we lived very like slim off of a single income from my husband and we made ends meet but we didn't live with outside our means we stayed on our budget and we stayed on our path because we knew eventually we would have a second income mm. and um we're actually we're in a growth phase again russell where we're taking um my paycheck down because we have so many expenses with this new um with this new building launch and we know it's going to be slim again for a few years but then we'll be, after we pay some things down, we'll be back into the cash flow period. Mm. And so you have to, you have to be okay with the fact that like, again, I might make a couple of years of low income before I do a, another set with a higher income. And so never assuming that, oh, it's going to be fun and easy right off the get go. It really does take time. It takes, I hope I encourage somebody listening that it does take time and you mm. keep being consistent and showing up and following through with what you committed to your customers those are the things that will outstand all of the competitors because other people get tired of waiting for that gratification mm -hmm. but the people that don't get tired of waiting and they have that grit eventually it pays off mm. it really does and it pays off enormously so i'm i'm excited for people that maybe in that season waiting and hoping it's like just keep doing the things mm. the hard things because other people 
on your left and right are going to get tired and they'll pass off. And so you just keep doing it and, and you will be the one that's standing in, in a few years, years from now, you know? And you have truly modeled that for us. And uh, the, I mean, it's, and that's really why it's such an inspiration. So, um, you know, I, the, 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 the book that I have in mind for your next book or your book that's coming out, is called Beautiful Grit. And I can't wait to see that. Okay. <laughs> love it yeah so yeah, that's great but what I hear in that is over 12 years is you know it is the grit or the character to persevere and the endurance but what I heard from that and perhaps for our listeners that might be a little bit lost in the just the hardness the difficulty of the day is the reminder there's a vision board that's a reminder of where you're going but also you have a vision team who's reminding you and just listening to your story. Hopefully it's a reminder. And when you have those, um, just those physical things or those people, it snaps us to attention in the midst of those difficulties that re-energizes to just pressing on. And that's, that perhaps is a very practical thing, just even walking through this, just, you know, just a lot of big themes we've covered just in our conversation today, just what is the culture you're trying to, trying to create where the customers you have, how do they experience you? How do you build a team around that? A lot of work that goes into that. And then being able to take from that, you know, just those personal priorities so that you're not divided and blown all over the place. What does it look like to be proactive as a leader, to value your time, put those structure things in place, and then just uh, finally just capturing the vision being very clear on that vision and then being able to remind yourself and have others remind you just so that you can stay the course over the long haul. So uh, this is massive ideas, but more than just an inspirational story, you've truly modeled this, Mindy, and it's really a beautiful story, a beautiful grit story. <laughs> it's uh, fun to capture here for our listeners. So just uh, maybe as we close out our conversation today, um, you know, for that person who's struggling of like, should I just go out, you know, and just, uh, just go get a normal job or should I just keep pressing forward who may be in that hard place? How would you encourage that listener? Um, just as they are trying to build a business, balance a family <laughs> and feel the storms of being blown around. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good question. I would say um, there's a lot of people that think it's a, a wonderful thing to be the entrepreneur or the person that owns the business and things like that. But I don't think it is for everyone, okay. to be honest with you. Um, what I would say is to do a little self-assessment to say, do I have the capacity and the grit, um, but the capacity in my life to really um, build systems and culture and all the things, or am I a really good person that can come alongside mm. an existing company that is already doing what I love? Because sometimes people want to do something so badly, but they don't realize maybe there's not a niche for what they want to do. There's already people doing it really well. And so I say, don't try to recreate something that's already going really well. Mm. Come alongside somebody. If your passion is the same thing and support their vision and you probably have the same vision and, and there are people that that's the better role for them come alongside and support. But if you see a need in the marketplace hmm. for the service or the offering that you provide, there's nobody doing it. Then I would say to go for it, go for it. There's more 
people, like we need more of you in the world. Mm. However, we need you to be committed. We need you to show up every day. We need you to follow through for your customer. We need you to uh, not get, uh, what would be the word, not to get down or um, discouraged. Yeah. Discouraged. Be decided that no matter what it takes, I'm going to fulfill this need in the marketplace. Mm. And so um, those, those would be the kind of questions and self-reflection I would say to the listener is that you know if you're not sure really assess I mean you you know about a SWOT analysis but you know does this market really need what I bring to the table Mm. and if it does then by all means do it and give it 110% if somebody else is already doing it see if there's any way you can come alongside them and be their number two you know what I'm saying and you should start at the bottom I don't be you're going to start at the bottom either way, (laughs) you know, whether you're doing it yourself or somebody else, but, but work up to the place where you could just support that strong arm that's already in the marketplace. But I think we need both of those players in the industry. We need both of those leaders and neither one of them are better than the other. It's just what role and capacity do you realistically have in your life? Mm -hmm. And I tell people, I started this before I had kids. So, you know, I had the advantage of spending, um, three years, seven days a week, 80 hours a week. Like there was nothing else. I could give it my all. Some people are not in that capacity. And so that's why I'm saying find somebody else already doing it and come alongside and support. Mm -hmm. But if you have the capacity and the freedom, both financially and time to start something, then go for it. Just know it's going to be delayed gratification. Mm, Excellent. Mindy, thank you so much for the time today. This has been a blast. You've given us a lot of nuggets to chew on and just uh, a shot in the arm of of encouragement for all of us today. So thank you so much uh, for the time and uh, just Godspeed on something new boutique and uh, just all everyone you influence. So well done. Thank you for having me. It was a privilege to be here. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. To get the show notes, resource links, and access to other leadership conversations, please visit www.theadvance.net backslash podcast. If you have leadership questions or topics you would like to hear discussed in future episodes, please email the team. The address is connect at leadersadvance.net. Whether you're between meetings, exercising, or enjoying a few quiet moments, I'm honored that you listen today. If today's conversation was valuable for you, I would appreciate your help in sharing the podcast with your friends, team members, and your social networks. In addition, your rating and review of the podcast will increase the ranking and reach for future listeners. Remember, better conversations are the gateway to greater influence. If you want to be a better leader, let it start today in your communication and connection with your people. Until next time. Thank you for joining the conversation.